Welcome to the Glory Glory Man Eye podcast. Although it's not just no such glory today, I'm joined as always by my regular co-hosts Chris and Nigel. Um, well, it was an absolute symbolic performance against Leicester. We've been knocked out of the FA Cup, and there's only one trophy left that we can win. Nigel, I'll come to you first. Who was at fault for that debacle? Primarily the manager, Kai. Can't 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 explain his team selection today at all. The next fixture is the fourth of April against the mighty Brighton. All these players, some of them are going to win international duty, but that's nothing to do with Manchester United. This was a major fixture. He picked players who haven't played for weeks, weren't much fit. So the rest with him totally, in my opinion. Chris, uh, what's your thoughts on the game? Yeah, same. Okay, it's hard to disagree with that to be honest it was just shambolic today that performance was horrendous and yep the manager has to take the blame strange selection and even the subs whenever I seen the subs coming on I thought you know he's going to turn things around here make the right decisions and even leaving Fred on uh, as an example which I'm sure we're going to later I thought was a horrendous decision I don't know what was going on very very poor yeah, it was an all-round poor display, but past the criticism had to be reserved for Harry Maguire and Fred today. They probably had their two worst games in the United shirt. Would you agree, Nigel? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, that guy was signed for £80 million. Pounds. You saw in the second half there where Vardy went at him, dropped the shoulder and danced around him. Now, he missed the chance. Should have been a goal, but it's too easy for a man uh, who's supposed to be a top centre-half being, being dealt with like that. Frustrating, Chris. Was there, is there any positives we can take from this game? I don't think there's too. Ma- I don't think there's too many to be honest, Karen. <clears throat> there's very few. Um, you know, there was only a there was one or two players who were reasonable, uh, reasonable at best, and I think that was about the height of it. I think it was just a, a poor performance. In, in in many ways, I feel like we kind of gifted them the goals. Um, you know, as well as Leicester played, um, the goals were were pretty much all down to mistakes or shambolic defending. Um, and I think for Manchester United level, that's, that's just not acceptable. Yeah, the the one consolation is that uh, Greenwood uh, got a goal which he which he much needed because he, he's only got five goals a season, and we really need him to be scoring goals because there's no other striker in form at the moment, and we're really struggling for goals. So if he can get back to to, to scoring, then that'll be really helpful. But apart from that. Van der Beek didn't really take his chance again. I know he was involved in the goal, but all around it was a pretty average display. Would you agree, Nigel? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's been out of the game for a month. He isn't match fit. He may or may not be physically fit, and yet in a match of that importance, he was selected. He was running around there. That was a team playing there today, Kylie, who didn't know each other. What happened to the old adage when you win a game, play the same team twice, when you haven't got another game for 14 days? I just can't understand this madness. I, I let you know well before the start of the game. Once I heard the team selection, I just felt it was just throwing throwing the towel in. It was it was but it, it didn't show that uh, the the importance of that fixture. He didn't show it any respect at all by selecting that team. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I must admit I had I had a bad feeling about today. And whenever I seen the team, I was even less encouraged. Um, I don't understand why. Shaw and Fernandez were were taken out for just an important game. Tell us, is, well, he, he did okay today. He's not on Shaw's level. Fernandez is our most important player, as we all know. Um, advice surprise, he, he picked Donny out of the cold for a game of this importance. Um, Martial came back in. 
Um, surprised Pogba started considering he's short of match fitness. Um, and then Fred and Matic, who I don't like to see them as individuals in the team. Never mind playing together. It just it's just the last thing we need in midfield because Modric is done. He's too slow. Fred, he's a midfielder for Man United and he just can't pass the ball. And it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And we're never going to win anything with Fred and Madich in midfield, even just one of them. Yeah, I thought, I thought, it, thought it was poor, yeah. If I'm honest, I, I think Madich wasn't absolutely horrendous. I think there was worse players today than, than Madich, although not that he was particularly good. Um, yeah, again, just as I just said, I just can't, I just can't fathom the team selection. You know, I would understand maybe if you know you had a, I don't know, a massive league game coming up, you know, midweek or something, or a Champions League tie midweek, and you're sort of thinking, you know, I kind of want to rest players here. Um, but considering you know the break, um, that's coming ahead, I just can't understand why he didn't just pick the strongest team. Uh, and I mean, even the strongest team that we have, you know, has some glaring weaknesses. Um, Maguire and Fred being two of them, and they probably they probably would have started arguably regardless. Um, of the other of the other players, to you know, uh, you can make an argument that even even our strongest team, you know, could have been could have been poor, um, at times. But um, but we would have had a damn sight better chance than what than what we what we ended up with. Um, yeah, that the Desert's midfield were very good, but I think we were just we were just poor. Um, but I mean, you know, my takeaway from the game was just the defending. I mean, regardless of anything else, regardless of whether we were good in attack or good midfield, the defender was so abysmally poor. I say we just we just threw the game away, basically. Yeah, it, it totally baffled me that he, he made those selections and changes, considering, like you say, we're not playing again to Easter Sunday. I mean, is he resting players for international managers? I, I just I just don't get it. It was, it was. A very, very bad day, and it started with the manager's team selection. And he tried to rectify it by, by uh, introducing four subs in the second half. And like you said off air, Nigel, the, that was basically an admittance that he'd picked the wrong team. Yeah, well, he's, he's given a few interviews post-match, and uh, I think the media will be all over it. Uh, he's talked about the effect of the pandemic on his players, that they're tired that the supporters out there, i.e. the three of us, don't understand the pressure that these fabulously paid players have been under trying to perform in these difficult times. I haven't heard any of the other 19 managers. Maybe Klopp, he's frustrated about losing his title, but the other 18 managers haven't blamed the pandemic for players being tired. I think he'll get hammered for that in the media, and rightly so. Yeah, I think he's he's clutching his straws now. Um no, I'm not going to buy any excuses uh, for this performance. Uh, he and the players have to take a lot of criticism for this. And yeah, uh, there's no, there's, there's no way I'm going to accept any excuses. Are you, Chris? No, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, I didn't quite, uh, quite hear exactly what, what, what was said there, Nigel, but um, I don't know if you can elaborate on what he means by the pandemic, but, you know, I, I've heard a few excuses from, from different managers talking about things like, you know, uh, players, you know, find it difficult to kind of get up for games or have the same motivation because there's no fans in the stadium. And I have to say, I find excuses like that completely unforgivable. Uh, for players earning that amount of money and playing at that level. I mean, you know, if, if any of you has ever played amateur football, you know, you're playing in grounds at the weekend and obviously it's just it's just you playing against your mates or whatever. And, and nobody turns right and says, then, oh, if, if I had 20 of my friends stand behind me, I would have had a better game. You know, you, you don't get away with that excuse at amateur level. So I don't understand why players at the top professional level 
you know, have excuses like that. I say again, you know, maybe it was something else about the pandemic you were alluding to, Nigel, or, or sorry, that social charge you alluded to. Um, but the likes of those excuses that I've heard from from various managers, I, I just don't buy them at all. I just think that they're they're, they're just not good enough, in my opinion. Sure, everybody's in the same boat. So how can exactly exactly how can one manager use that as an excuse? I'm just not having it. Anyway, we'll get on to the pay ratings now. Uh, we'll start off with Dean Henderson. This might be the highest score of the day. Uh, I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals. Uh, I'll come to you first, Nigel. Uh, I would give Dean five out of ten. I thought he did okay. The, the mistakes were made in front of him. The third goal when McTominay missed the ball completely. Yet another dead ball set piece. We lose a, a goal from it's like something you'd see locally in the park in Lurgan. It's 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 inexcusable. But I give him a five. Yeah, it'd be it's hard to give him you know a high score considering three goals and pass him even if they weren't his fault. Okay, uh, Chris, what about Aaron Wan-Bissaka? I thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka was was wasn't great at all today to be honest. Um, I, I'm going to give him a four. That's probably a generous four. There was one occasion where the ball was coming uh, coming down the line. Uh, just heading for the byline and uh, he, he almost looked like he was trying to just let it go not realising there was a man right on his back um, I, and I thought that was pretty poor Wan-Bissaka was brilliant against Man City and, and Sterling and um, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago um, but for some reason today and I hope he's not getting found out he, he, was, he wasn't doing well as, as none of the, the players were Fred was the same Maguire under pressure and um, he was making poor decisions and that uh, yeah that doesn't bode well so no I thought he was he was pretty poor today I have to be honest Okay Nigel what about Harry Maguire uh, feel free to give him a minus score uh, he's lucky he's getting a three from me. I thought he was just abysmal. I really did. And uh, to play beside him there when you don't know. And he was loo- his temperament's getting a bit dubious now. I don't know whether it's the captain's role, Kyler, Chris, but he's, he's starting to shout at people and get more and more frustrated. He gets a yellow card nearly every game now. He can't control it at all. So certainly not, not worth any more than a three for me. Yeah, I think Ian Nacho absolutely embarrassing today in 40 also. Um, I guess, as you say, he was starting to lose his head. And uh, in the first half, I was starting to think, you know, he could get a red card here. Yeah, he, he's just not the captain for me. He he wasn't, he has to keep his head in the situation where we're up against it. And and he was the one who was losing it. And just, just about fed up with Maguire, really. Uh, it was a slight improvement in recent games, but... He's firmly back to square one today, and I, I would give him a nod to be honest. If it was yeah. me, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that be a generous, a generous nod, Kyle. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What about Victor Lindelof? Hey, Chris. Um, he probably wasn't the most at fault today, but uh, what would you give him? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to give him a four. Um, I, I, to be honest, Lindelof for me di- didn't actually do much wrong today. Um, I don't think he did anything glaringly, obviously wrong. Um, so yeah, I actually think he was off the, the the one of the more solid of the defenders. As hard as that is to say, we got beat. You know, we got beat three one. Um, you know, nobody in the defense obviously played well. Um, but Lindelof certainly wasn't as bad as um as McGuire, and I don't think he was as bad as Wamasak either. So yeah, I guess I guess a four. Um, can't give him much higher than that when you ship three goals. But yeah, he wasn't awful. Okay, Nigel, what about Alex Telles? For some strange reason, played instead of Luke Shaw. Yeah, yeah, I give him a four. As Chris says, they're, both sides were very, very poor, both defensively and offensively. Why Shaw didn't start that game, the man in 
form that uh, offensively is brilliant at the moment, back in the England squad, got his pecker up, wants to play games and was rested. I mean, I, it's just inexcusable. Four for me for Tellers. Rested when we're not playing again for two weeks? I just, yeah. I'm speechless. Crazy. Okay, we'll get on to Matic. Um, I'll come to you, Chris. Um, you thought he wasn't too bad today. Yeah, I'm gonna give him a four, um, or a sort of a four and a half. Yeah, again, he just a bit like a bit like Lindelof. I don't think he did. I don't think he did too much wrong. He wasn't wasn't brilliant. He just did a kind of a fairly average job. Um, you know, certainly their midfielders were kind of kind of overran ours a wee bit at times. So it, it wasn't as if he was playing out of his skin. Um, but he wasn't he wasn't absolutely shocking. Um, and he moved the ball reasonably well at times. So. Yeah, kind of a average, per, average to, to not great performance, probably. But yeah, a four for me. Okay, what about Fred, Nigel? Um, probably his purest game, me and Ed's shirt, constantly giving the ball away in dangerous areas. Without a doubt. Oh, I give him a one. That's that's a, he's lucky to get one in, in my view. He uh, cost us the first goal. I've been saying for weeks about that passing through the goalkeeper in the back four and, and don't give it to Fred in front of the 18 yard box, but. They gave it to him and look what happened. Every time he got the ball, he gave it away nearly in the first half. Knocked the stuffing out of his teammates. They, they, they were joking about it. The pundits were just saying, how does this guy play every week? But uh, the manager keeps picking the guy and we paid 52 million for him. My goodness me. The, the saw is coming when they paid that. Definitely a one, Kyle. I wouldn't give him any more than that. Yeah, I'm definitely worried if, if the priority in the summer is a striker and a centre-back and we're just going to leave midfield. That's going to leave us with the same old shite in midfield, and we won't get close to Man City with that. So anyway, what about Paul Pogba, Chris? Uh, what would you give him today? Didn't quite have the same before, impact. No, he didn't. I don't think he was quite match fit, as you, as you guys said there. Um, I, I just want to actually add before going to Pogba's rating, just just a, uh, about um, the first goal. Uh, Fred was culpable uh, for giving the ball away, but Maguire should not have played the ball to him. I uh, just want to highlight his his role in that abysmal uh, piece of defending. Um, but yeah, in terms of Pogba, yeah, like I say, yeah, I, th- I think he tried. I have to say, you know, Paul Pogba often gets criticised. By, by, by us as much as anybody for not putting the effort in. I actually think he did put the effort in today, um, but you could tell he wasn't quite much fit. Um, so I guess it was probably understandable that he came off. Um, although, yeah, we can get on the substitutions later and um, the strangeness of some of them. But um, yeah, I think I think it was a, not a brilliant performance, um, but, he, but he did try hard. So I gave him a five. Uh, I think, I think he, he put the effort in at least. Yeah, I think you're right about Maguire playing Fred in the trouble. You don't you, you don't give the ball to anyone uh, when he's he's got Leicester players around him, but least of all Fred of all people. Exactly. Uh, okay. What about Van der Beek, Nigel? Uh, another pretty average performance. Oh, it was it was very poor, but he didn't he didn't look fit, or he didn't look as if he'd been told what his role was. He, and he wasn't involved. He wasn't chasing the game down. He looks totally dispirited to me from all the hopes we had when he arrived at the club. So uh, I wasn't surprised when he was was hooked. You know, I don't know what the the wrong term long term solution is there, but certainly uh, doesn't seem to be a favourite of the manager. The players around him don't seem to know where he fits in in the pattern of play. So it's it's a, a four there for me. I thought at the start of the season when he played in the cup games and he came on as a sub in league matches, he was having a really good impact. 
but the confidence needs to be drained out of him now. He's passing the ball backwards and sideways. Uh, he just looks completely devoid of any confidence. And I just don't know how he's going to get it back unless he's going to play regularly. And he's clearly not under this manager. And we we all know that Pogba is likely to leave the club in the summer. I just don't see Van der Beek being promoted uh, to the second choice attacking midfielder behind Fernandez whenever Pogba leaves. I don't think Oli has again a faith on him. And I think Oli's definitely played a role in, in damaging his confidence. And I just don't see how he gets out of this. I hope that he does because he, he's definitely a talented individual. But it's looking pretty bleak at the moment. Okay. Yeah, I. <clears throat> I just just want to add, just want to add, Kai, that I, I thought it was, uh, I thought that what Solskjaer said the other night gave me a wee bit of insight and in, in, in perhaps what's going on with, with uh, Donny. Um, he said, he, you remember he referred to, after the Milan game, he referred to as having a back six um, in terms of defence and, and that obviously alludes to the fact that he's playing those two whole midfielders, you know, usually Fred McTominay, uh, sometimes, you know, Maddox interchanging in there as almost, you know, to protect the back four, which he clearly sees as being shaky. And the problem in a way that I see with Van der Beek, at least from Molly's point of view, is it, he kind of almost is kind of uh, in between things. He's kind of not one thing or another. Um, and I think maybe that's what's going wrong. I think Ollie doesn't see him as being strong enough defensively to be one of those two holding players that are going to just protect the back four. And at the same time, he's not quite as good going forward in an attacking sense or creative as Bruno is or Pob is. And I think that in many ways, that's what's happening with him. He's fallen in between two stools. I think he's a great player. And, and maybe in a team with better individuals around him, I think he could get a game. I think the problem is that he just doesn't know where to put him. Um, that's just, just something I picked up on recently, perhaps. So you think that he's, he's suffering because the manager has to play two defensive midfielders to protect the, the back four? I think I think he might be, yeah. That is that. Just just the fact that he's talking about a back six tells me that he's putting two holding midfielders in there because he doesn't trust the back four. So he's playing with six defensive players, and Donny, I think he doesn't see it as strong enough physically to to be one of those two. And because if you look then that okay, if he's not good enough to play as one of the holding midfielders, then he's good enough to play as an attacking player. But then you look at who's in front of him, and you've got two of on their day arguably the best attacking players in world football at the minute and I don't think he's quite as good as them going forward he's almost just a bit he's almost too much of an all-rounder and I think that's a problem although I would argue that anybody must be better than Fred Fred was so bad today I would immediately take Fred out and put Van der Beek in that would be what I would do um, but I think that maybe up to now that's partly why he's not getting the game well you know what's interesting that I read earlier online is some United fans have been tweeting Ajax supporters and asking them what is Van der Beek's best position? And interestingly enough, some of them said number nine, which I couldn't believe. I know he's played okay. numerous positions for Ajax, but I didn't think that would be the answer. Um, see, I, like you say, that, that, that that's part of the problem, that he doesn't hold a, a, a regular position. He, he's, he's too versatile for his own good. And that's yeah. probably why he's not playing regularly, or one of the reasons anyway. If that's an interesting concept, Chris, that you're saying that if our current manager is talking about a back, a back six, uh, since I've been supporting the club, there's maybe been 11 managers, and we always played 4-3-3 with two wide men and a centre forward. If, if, if that's in his mindset, that we have six 
and then somehow we have the other four to score the goals. There's not going to be any room for any width. So that's that's very, very worrying indeed. It, it is very worrying. The interesting thing about it too, Nigel, and not to in any way taking away from Ollie, is that I think we've seen it before. I mean, I think we've seen it under Mourinho too. And I know that is Mourinho's style anyway. And I agree with you, that's not a style we want to play. But it does make me think that Ollie and the team still don't trust the defensive players that we have, the same as Mourinho kept complaining that he didn't trust them. And it makes me think that, you know, that's still part of the issue in their minds. But I agree with you, Nigel. I mean, I would still be in favour of going blue teams away, you know, play on the front foot. You know, at, at offence is, is the best form of kind of defence or defence. Um, so I agree with you. It's not good that he's thinking like that. But And I never, uh, it was just when I heard him say it the other night, it made me think a few things that that, that explains uh, at least part of what he's doing, rightly or wrongly. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Okay, well, come on to Marseille now. Um, Nigel, what would you give him out of 10 for that performance? I'd give him a two. And he, he normally gets a three. He's, he was even worse this week. He just doesn't. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard Alan Shearer, the all-time Premier League goal scorer with 260 goals, saying that performance is just not good enough. How can that fellow wear the number nine? He's not putting himself about... He doesn't want to go for one-twos. He drifts out to the left wing. I mean, the manager backs him, so the manager has to fall by picking players like that because he's not a United player. He doesn't put the effort in. And thank goodness the fans weren't there to see that because he would have been getting some stick from his own fans because uh, on social media, the, the, everybody's just tired of his lack of effort and lack of application to wear the red shirt with pride. And he, and he likes to dive too, I think too, Nigel. I've seen him go down too easy again today. And yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, as a United fan, I would rather not win a foul, you know, not win something and, and stay on your feet than win something by cheating. I don't think it's in my United's DNA and I, I don't like to see it. And he does it far too often for my liking. Might be in the French DNA, Chris. Remember Thierry Henry was like that and handballs in the box in World Cup matches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to forget that one, Nigel. <laughs> Never. Yeah, I don't think any fan, uh, for the most fans anyway, wouldn't would wouldn't cry if Martial was to leave the club this summer. But that's just wishful thinking. Um, so what about Mason Greenwood? Um, he finally got a goal today. Uh, much needed, and hopefully this can be the start of another purple patch. So what would you give him out of ten, Chris? I gave him a six, Kyle. Just as you said, there he got the goal, and unfortunately, it turned out to be a consolation goal. But it could have been a, a big goal at a good time. You know, when we were down, it could have given us the impetus to go on and do better. But unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. Um, I thought it was good, like you said, that he got a goal, and I thought he looked fairly bright. Um, I do find, if I'm honest, not to be too critical, because I really do with Greenwood, as I said on the podcast previously, I do find he gives the ball away a wee bit too much at times. Um, but I guess the whole team can be kind of couple of that. Who doesn't? Um, but yeah, it well exactly, <laughs> exactly. You're right, exactly. Um, and I guess that means he's trying to do things too. So I'm not going to be too heavily critical of him. Yeah, uh, but you no, know, I thought I thought today, um, along with Henderson, um, yeah, he was the one I gave a high score to. So I, I thought he was a uh, good value for a six. Um, yeah, just unfortunately his goal wasn't uh, wasn't the impetus to go on and get something from the game. Okay, let's come on to the manager. Um, a very bizarre team selection. Highlighted by the fact that he had to make four subs to correct it. Still didn't take off Fred. What's your score, Nigel? Uh, the manager only got two from me. He, he, he just uh, he baffles me, really. I can't. He's, he's continually loyal to players who don't put in the effort. 
for the fans, for the people watching it. Um, he's a bit misguided and he worries about his press interviews and he'll be under pressure about how long it takes him to make... He's not his own man. He seems to dither. He's a lot of people along the line who perhaps are giving him advice, but he, he, he just... As you quite often say to me, he's going to leave it to far too late in the game to make changes that are obvious to most people. And I've often said that people like Martial and uh, Lindelof and Maguire, who he's very loyal to, will eventually uh, lead to his downfall because he can't continually pick substandard players and expect to be anywhere near Manchester City. So two is very generous for me for his selection today. What about you, Chris? Would you, would you give him a two also? I would, I would have to agree, Kyle. Um, I don't, I think it was really poor today. There, there were times near. I mean, we started the game quite brightly. If I'm, there, if I kind of take the whole thing on balance, we started the game fairly brightly. But I, I would argue we started better than Leicester. Um, although we, we, we kind of lost control, um, fairly quickly and obviously conceded. Whenever we scored, I thought that our tails were up a wee bit. And I thought, okay, maybe we can get something here. Um, when we went down another goal. Um, we I think uh, you and I were saying offline that um, it was time for changes. I think that was obvious. And whenever the changes came, just around the 60-minute mark, when we thought that was the right time, I thought, okay, he's going to do something. He's going to do the right thing. And, you know, he's going to take out the players that maybe he shouldn't have picked to begin with. And then the changes that he made, just did, I just couldn't understand them. I mean, perhaps he was trying to change the shape. Um, but you know, he took off uh, he took off Maric, which I thought, okay, that was good. Um, and I thought he was going to take off Fred. Uh, I thought that was an obvious change for McTominay, considering what, for how bad Fred had been. And then, and then he left Fred on. I just scratched him ahead. Um, and again, I thought I understood, you know, one off Pub or, or Van der Beek coming off. Um, but I thought one of them would would have stayed on the pitch. Um, and that he would have brought on Bruno as well. And then, and then he and then he didn't. Um, he brought, took took them both off. I just couldn't understand taking off two players who were at least putting the effort in and weren't making, he weren't making massive errors to leave Fred on. Um, I just couldn't understand that. I mean, Martial coming off for Cavani was an obvious change. I guess he got that one right. And actually, I thought Tellez wasn't playing badly, but Shaw is 100% an upgrade. And we argue he's been our best player this season. So Shaw needed to come on. Um, but what he did midfield just completely baffled me. Uh, and as you said, Nigel, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give faith to people like Fred, they're gonna be the, the they're gonna be your downfall. Um, and, and you can't blame anyone else when you're making those kinds of decisions. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you know, I do give Ollie a lot of praise when it's due, and we, as we all do. Um, but today he did not cover himself in glory. Some of those decisions were just they weren't good enough. So, yeah, very, pretty poor. Okay, one tournament we did progress in this week was the Europa League. Uh, pretty poor first half performance against Milan, but the introduction of Paul Pogba at halftime uh, won us the game, and he, he, he with a bit of brilliance after three minutes into the second half, and uh, we progressed the next round. And we will be playing Granada, uh, which Manny would see as a favourable draw. And Solskjaer's last chance to win the trophy this season. Uh, we are the Boogie's favourites to win that tournament. And as Paul Scholes said in his punditry, it will just be purely down to attitude. Nigel, do you think we will win the Europa League? I hope so, Kyle. But the thing I'd like to point out is the difference in performances. How can we play so well against Manchester City? and in the second half in Milan, and play like we did today, and against Sheffield United and West Brom and Arsenal. Are the players playing for this manager? There seems to be some players who are really up for games and some players aren't. 
And there, there isn't enough fight. The strategy, the pattern of play isn't there. We're certainly good enough to win that tournament if the attitude is right and if the manager gets them up for the, the game. But they weren't up for the game today and yet they were going away and not playing for a fortnight. So if he doesn't get them right, on the, it doesn't matter if it's Granada or whoever it is, they need to play for the shirt and apply themselves to get a win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're the best team on paper left in the tournament and we should go on and win it. And if we don't, it's purely down to attitude. Um, Chris, do you fancy us to win the Europa League this season? I think, I think yep, just what you guys said there. Uh, Kyle, I think that we do on paper have the, have the ability uh, to go out and win that tournament. Um, but like you say, and like Nigel just said there, it all depends on which team turns up uh, on the day. Um, there's one thing that I'm, I'm already foreseeing is that Granada are going to do what you expect them to do. They're going to sit back and they're going to they're going to make themselves difficult to break down. And as we know, we often struggle against that. Um, I don't know a lot about Granada, um, but I, I'm assuming from what I do know, um, the little they know that is that, that they're not uh, you know going to be a ridiculously um, massive threat on the counter attack, or I hope they're not going to be. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be as easy a draw as it should be for that reason. They're going to be hard to break down. Um, and it's just, I hope that our players uh, stay up for it and fight, uh, and fight you know, hard and are able to, uh, to show their quality um, to, you know, to win that game or to win that tie, which they should do. Um, and yeah, I think they have enough to win the tournament, um, but it just depends on who turns up in the day, isn't it? Um, that's hard, hard to call. Yeah, I think you're right. They, they will be watching... Uh, countless videos of United and they will know that we struggle against defensive setups and I do believe that's the way they play anyway so yeah um, we'll probably, if we do overcome them, it'll probably only be 2-0 in aggregate but we'll take yeah, that. It's going to be it's gonna be tight Okay, we'll leave it there hopefully on our next podcast we'll be a bit more upbeat thanks for coming on Chris and Nigel and we'll talk again soon no problem. Talk to you later. See you, Thanks, Chris. guys. Thanks, thanks. See you later.